Welcome to The Dental Deal, the podcast for dental professionals exploring a DSO partnership. In each episode of The Dental Deal, the Seven Pillars team will demystify the world of DSOs. We are committed to equipping you with the tools and knowledge you need to build successful partnerships that align with your vision and goals. In this episode, Brett and Christy talk about the qualitative and quantitative components which make up a deal. Deal values are never one-dimensional, and having a strong understanding of each factor in a deal is essential to making the right decision. Tune in as Brett and Christy discuss the fascinating dichotomy between qualitative and quantitative values and the long-term effects they carry. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us for our upcoming episodes. Until then, keep smiling. Over to you, Christy. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome to another episode of The Dental Deal. I'm Christy, this is Brett, we're with Seven Pillars. And today we're gonna talk to you about a very important question. How do I choose? Brett always jokes that there's a new DSO that crops up every minute and it's kind of true. And so we're gonna dive into how you choose and what factors might be important to you as you look to take this next step. So I think we're both of the same mindset that there's more to think about than a lot of our clients come to us thinking about when they're thinking about why a DSO. In fact, it's one of the first questions we ask. We talk about it on here. We've talked about it every client who's talked to us, like what are you solving for? So there's two main areas I think that most clients need to need to focus on. And one of them is very easy. It's the quantitative piece of money and financial and terms. Um, but what else do we focus on that we feel like is almost just as important uh, for a lot of our clients? Yeah. So as we go through the process of, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Is a DSO your best option in the future? You know, you got to come to those terms first. So like, yes. Okay. So we've come to the terms that yes, a DSO is probably in the best, uh, the best, you know, benefit to my practice moving forward. So how do I choose? Like you said, there are so many DSOs right now. And when you know one DSO, you know one DSO. There are so many different ones. So which DSO is the best partner for you? So we break it down into quantitative and qualitative. Quantitative, like you said, is the money. So the initial transaction is a big part of this. Okay? The initial, what is your initial transaction? What is your multiple? What is your total enterprise value? How much cash are you getting? How much equity are you getting? What's your earnout look like? <clears throat> What's the deal structure look like? All of those things matter. So let's start at the beginning, your initial transaction. This is easily the most overvalued piece of this arrangement mm-hmm. is the doctor, a lot of our doctors, or a lot of doctors focus solely on like, what is this initial EBITDA. transaction? What's my EBITDA? Multiple. What's my multiple? Well, you can't spend multiples, okay? Yep. You can spend money and you can spend money later when the equity when the equity appreciates. So the initial transaction, like I said, it's the total enterprise value, how much cash, how much stock, how much joint venture, how much hold code, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's kind of one of the first things to choose from. If, if, the, if the groups aren't in the same ballpark, if one group's offering you 12, one group's offering you four, and every other group's offering you five. I do think, too, the structure piece of it, I think, is really important because I do think we've had clients who have come to the table and said, hey, I, I want a JV model, right? Because I, I still want to be able to feel as though I'm being able to participate in the profits of my business yeah. and I'm because of where I am on the life cycle. And we've had others that have said, hey, cash is the most important thing to me, or I'm really looking for a strong equity hold. I don't need as much cash. So, I mean, I think too, like understanding if you're about to embark on this process, like what do you actually value? What do you need? And what is going to make you feel kind of good when you leave the table? Because you're right. A lot of focus goes on the EBITDA and the multiple, but there's so much other value in this quantitative realm. So true. So true. So let's, let's touch on that. So we covered the initial transaction. Let's talk about the deal structure. So some of these deal structures self-select. Mm-hmm. By, and to recap for everybody else, 
there's a couple of primary types of deals. Um, one is what we call kind of the equity model, which is you're going to get a portion in cash and you're going to get a portion in just basically stock in the parent company or the holding company. That stock appreciates over time as the DSO gains value and appreciates in value. That stock has no monetary, typically has no monetary value until the recapitalization happens. But when that does happen, you know, that stock's going to appreciate just like it appreciates in any other business that you invest in, whether you invest in Apple or Intel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're not, you're generally not getting profit distributions along the way. Um, it's just a different, it's a different form versus the full joint venture model, which says, okay, we're going to give you 60% in cash and we're going to, we're going to leave 40% of retained equity, which means you still own 40% of the profit. So if you improve the practice over time, you're going to receive not all the benefit because you receive yeah. some of the cash up front, but you're going to receive 40% of the profit distributions as the practice moves around. So that's what I consider a direct value. You're directly being rewarded mm-hmm. for the work that you do in the practice at the local level. The stock is more of an indirect value. And so depending on which one of those you're more comfortable with, that's going to help you decide what one of the, which DSO group to choose from. There are groups that do the equity model. There are groups that do the joint venture model. And there are groups that do the hybrid. And so what is your comfortability level? If you think your practice is going to triple in the next six months, well, you probably shouldn't tell the DSO <laughs> at that point. But say, say it's going to grow in the next six months or grow in the next 12 months. You know, you want, you're going to want to think about what those cash flow implication, implications look like. What does your lifestyle look like? Do you, you know, do you spend a ton of money? Do you need cash flow repair? Um, so structures are a really important part. We have a whole other episode on structures um, that would probably be worth tuning into, um, whichever medium you, whichever medium you however prefer, you want to listen however to you'd like to listen. And I think too, you know, if we talk about how to choose, I mean, I think again, and we'll one more time on this, and then we can switch to the more qualitative aspects which we spend a lot of time on in our process. But I do think, too, how risk-averse or how conservative you are. um, Because, you know, myself, I'm a a pretty risk-averse person, shocking Mm -hmm. to most Mm -hmm. people listening who know me. Um, But I think, you know, that a startup, you know, DSO, where you're the first or second practice, that might not be the best cup of tea, even though those returns could have been really great for you down the road. There's not as much infrastructure or history there. Um, again, it's it's being knowledgeable about what you're doing, right? Most people don't go out and just buy a share of stock and, you know, mm-hmm. without doing any research or, or knowing kind of what their risk profile is and, and, and understanding the whole package. So kind of on this quantitative piece, you, you there's a few, only a few things you can really control as an owner, right? It's how profitable is your business and what are your goals and what are you selling and knowing yourself so that you can know you're getting into the right deal, right? Because we can do our job of educating you and laying out all the options, but ultimately, we're not living in this post-close. You yep. are. And so you really have to be comfortable in whatever uh, dynamic and terms and structure that you ultimately agree to. Yeah. Everybody wants to break these deals down into just like two numbers that we can compare. Eight's higher than seven. Seven's higher than six. So that's got to be the right answer. Well, that's not always the case. The numbers don't always mean the same thing. And so when we're talking about the qualitative aspect, this mm-hmm. is much more difficult. This yeah. is a much... This is... Like the quantitative stuff is actually somewhat straightforward. Yeah. The qualitative things, and by that I mean who's your partner? Um, these are not corporate buyouts. These are partnerships. You guys are living together. These are more like marriages than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, what does life after sale look like? Mm-hmm. What is how? And by that I mean how are they going to treat you? How are they going to treat your staff? Mm-hmm. What HR policies do they have? Are they going to give pay cuts? Are they going to give pay increases? Are they going to change benefits? What does that look like? Because I promise you, every one of our doctors. The, 
every one of our doctors feels it when their staff is unhappy. Yeah. Right. So how is our staff being treated is, is a huge one. The team, other things to consider are the doctor group. What's your peer group look like mm -hmm. inside of this group? Is it a, do you only want to be with specialists? Do you only want to be with general dentists? Do you want to be in a mixed group? Do you care who the doctors are? Mm -hmm. Do you ever want to talk to another dentist again? I don't know. Do you love the, the camaraderie and the, and the brotherhood, so to speak? Mm -hmm. um, thinking, thinking way through those things. And those, we're not going to get into specifics of what each DSO offers, but they are all very different. All very different. And um, life after sale is a big thing. I don't care how much money somebody gives you. If you are miserable, even six months feels like an eternity. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure that we've dotted all of our I's and crossed all of our T's to make sure that this is the partnership that works for you. We have a lot of situations where doctors come in and they think that they want to go with the same group that they're buddies with. And maybe they do. Maybe that's the best fit for them. But a lot of times it's not because you're a very different personality. Do you, do you want to jump on the rocket ship or do you want to take the most safe, secure option? And there's everything in between. Like you and I would choose very different DSOs if mm -hmm. we were, if we were selling to, a D, if we were partnering with a DSO, yep. right? So um, the qualitative stuff is super important. And along with that is, this is all about assessing the partner. And so assessing the partner is a qualitative kind of idea, but I'm also assessing the, the partner because the partner directly affects the financial implications. Yeah. So by that, I mean, is this partner going to help my stock appreciate? Because if you're taking 30 or 40% of this in stock, that's a huge investment. If you're selling your practice for 10 million bucks, you're getting 4 million in stock, you're effectively giving somebody a $4 million, you're giving a $4 million check to invest for you. Yeah. How do you, how, how do you do that? How, you know, what is the best way if someone's listening and kind of starting to do this and maybe they're going to, you know, engage someone or they're just kind of thinking that through this process, how do you know if that partner is going to contribute to the long-term success of the equity? Like what types of things should people be asking about and listening for when they have these conversations? Plain and simple, like I would look and say, is this an actual business? Mm -hmm. Do they have an actual business or are they just aggregating EBITDA? Are they just mm -hmm. aggregating practice? Oh, okay. So by actual business, I mean, are, are the practices integrated? Are they sharing some level of systems? Are they benefiting from any kind of economies of scale? Are the practices thriving post-transaction or are they not? How are they assessing that, right? Because, I mean, yeah. I think that's an important piece of this, too. It's the, it's the systems and processes that they have in place, but then also the vision they have for what they're doing, right? Like any good business has a vision, a vision, a mission. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, what am I trying to put together so I can create that value? And if it's we just talk to anyone, anywhere, without any kind of you know rigor, um, that's going to be probably pretty challenging yeah. from a business perspective if we just think about the foundation of a business. So I think... I think that is important, and that doesn't mean that ones that don't have a completely, you know, well-established operational, you know, they don't have the full HR team, they don't yeah. have the full legal team. That doesn't mean that those DSOs aren't sure. worth anything. It's just they're earlier in their infancy of a, from a life stage, and so we have to, and you have to, if this is the route you're going, make sure that you are asking the questions about what is the plan. How how many practices? What when are you going to add on a full HR person? What does it look like on your executive team? How are you sourcing those people? What experience level do you have for those people as they as they come on? I mean, because all those people are going to be the foundation of of your business if you have equity in that. I love that, and that's this is so such an individual decision. Mm -hmm. 
all of these DSOs out there, there's probably somebody that's perfect for every one of them. You know, and there's a lot of people that aren't perfect. I mean, these are very individual questions. Okay, do you need a long-term track record? Does the DSO have to have a long-term track record for you to feel comfortable? If so, then there's a handful of people that make sense. Are you more of a startup type guy and you really believe in the vision of the leadership that exists now, even though the business isn't built out and you want to get in on the early stage of it? That's a whole, that's a whole other thing. Do you want a lot of support or do you want people to leave you alone? Mm -hmm. um, there's all these things to take into account. What does your timeline look like? What does your professional timeline look like? And how does that compare to the timeline of the DSO and probably more focus on what's the timeline of the private equity group that is behind the DSO. And by that I mean, when is this DSO going to transact again? When is it going to recapitalize? That timing number is actually a really important piece. Mm -hmm. If it's five years and you're getting in the early stage, that has its benefits. If they're going to recap recapitalize next year and you're getting in now, that has its own benefits and drawbacks as well. And so these are super individual conversations. The math is somewhat easy. We can cash flow model most of these things. There's a lot of assumptions that go into it. The quantitative stuff, like, yeah, here's a $9 million offer. This is a $10 million offer. That one's higher. That also has its problems. Like, mm -hmm. some $9 and $10 million offers from different groups aren't pretty Always. equal. But yep. what does life look like? Yeah. What does my spouse, if a spouse, what does my spouse think about this? What is, what is my staff going to think about this? Like, am I going to be, this is probably the best question you can ask yourself. If I were to partner with DSO X and people were to find out about it, mm -hmm. am I proud to be a part of that group or am I like, man, I wish they didn't say that. Yeah. I wish they didn't throw my name out there because if that's the answer, it's you shouldn't do probably it. Probably the wrong group. You got, you'll be explaining yourself <laughs> all the time. And it's, yeah. How, um, I think this is also, I think that was a great wrap up, but I also think too, you know, all of our clients, most people listening, DSO, we we go directly to the quantitative piece. If, is that where someone should start? Should they start with the quantitative piece of like profitability and practice? Should they start with the qualitative of thinking about what they're wanting in transition? Like if you were kind of talking to someone, where would you tell them to start if they're very early in the process? Yeah, so the easy answer is to focus on the financial, but I never want to start there. And it sounds a little bit, you know, um, rainbows and fairy tales a little bit, but like it's just kind of um, there has to be a non-financial reason to want to do this, and so the money's not going to solve your problem. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get a huge valuation on your practice, you're already making a lot of money, yeah. right? You're already getting. If you're going to get a really big check, you're probably already getting big checks. So I want to know what exactly are you solving for? Yeah. What exactly is a DSO going to help you with, or what do you want a DSO to solve for you? And if we know that, then we can really pick and choose between the between the Rolodex of DSOs. Like, okay, these guys really do well at this. I like for I am dying for associates. Yep. And I can't keep staff members. And so it's, it's all this big HR need. Well, there are some groups that are way better than that than other than other groups. Mm -hmm. Valuation be here, they'll be there, but they're solving something really, really important, really, really important for you. And there's all kinds of different reasons for that. Yeah, sure. The primary reason we get is, non-financial reason is, I don't have a transition plan and I need one. Mm -hmm. Or my practice is way too big and like it would take 400 dental students to buy it from me. Yeah. Um, but, so that's, solve, that's one solve, but boy, what am I looking to solve? If somebody comes to me and says, I love what I do 
I have three associates that basically do all the work for me. I have no problems with any staff members. And I can just keep riding this wave. I'm like, well, what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, why are we talking? Like, keep yeah. doing that. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, if you're a, it was kind of a rich dad, poor dad deal where like, that book from uh-huh. whatever it was. Yep. A true business owner can leave his business for a month, come back, and it's better off than it was before. Yeah. I don't generally see that in this no. industry. But if you have that, I don't know what a DSO sales will solve for you. And I, and I tell people that all the time. Sometimes I, I work against us a little bit yeah, because I, okay, I'm honest about that. But you really, like, these are hard questions, too. Like yeah. We get the doctor and the spouse in the same room. Like, What are we actually trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Oh, and you just want to back out and say it's about the money. It's not. Mm-mm. It's not. If it is, if if all you're doing is chasing a check, you should probably keep practicing and make your practice better. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that was great. I think we hopefully we might have added a bit more confusion to the story. Anyway, but uh, but no, I think that was a great episode, and I think it's important for you know for those listening to really focus in on this. And it, you're right; it's not a decision you can wake up and say this is what I'm doing. It takes a, a lot more thought. Um, and, and kind of looking inward throughout the process. Um, and clearly, you know, we're here to help if that is where we end up going and where, yeah. the, where you end up going. Um, but we'll ask the hard questions and you should ask them of yourself too. So, yeah. And I'll tell you if you shouldn't, if I don't think you should do it. <laughs> so there you go. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brett. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Hopefully you've learned a little bit more about how to choose the best DSO. If you have an offer, maybe your pool's smaller and you're still having trouble, send it our way. If you're earlier in the process, just keep in mind, it's more than just the numbers. There's a qualitative aspect of this. Who's who's your partner post-sale? What do you want life to be like? They're hard questions, but you can get the best of both worlds and our team is happy to help you. So this is The Dental Deal. I'm Christy. This is Brett. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Dental Deal, a podcast for dental professionals considering a DSO partnership. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us for our upcoming episodes. Until then, keep smiling. Keep smiling.